You're listening to a Corridor Business Journal podcast. It's time for Straight Talk About Diversity. Frank questions, honest answers, and real insights. It's Diversity Straight Up with your co-hosts, Sadaka Bodka and Anthony Arrington. Diversity Straight Up is a Corridor Business Journal podcast brought to you by the City of Cedar Rapids, Collins Aerospace, and Alliant Energy. On today's episode, Marcy Chickering, Executive Vice President and Chief Human Resources Officer at Wellmark Blue Cross and Blue Shield. And that executive totally chewed me up. I thought that night, what do I do? Marcy, you were very proactive about it. You actually said, what can I do? Right. Versus taking it the other approach. In my neighborhood, my upbringing, a white ally has leverage because they understand their white privilege and they're using that privilege to make a difference in their organization. Do you think of an ally that way or have you had that experience? I can't walk in each person's shoes, but I can learn learn from you and I can learn to appreciate We'll be right back. Diversity Straight Up is sponsored by the City of Cedar Rapids. Cedar Rapids is a welcoming and vibrant city, encompassing unique attractions, exciting and diverse events, specialty shopping, a dynamic art scene, and a large variety of restaurant and nightlife options. You'll find that Cedar Rapids offers one of the best places to live, work, and play in the Midwest. At Collins Aerospace, we believe that fostering an inclusive environment makes our employees feel valued. It also helps our business succeed. By encouraging diverse viewpoints in the workplace, we're redefining futures. It's why we proudly support the Corridor Business Journal's diversity podcast, Diversity Straight Up. Welcome to another episode of Diversity Straight Up, where we are keeping it real. We are your co-hosts, Sari Kalbakta and Anthony Arrington. And we're getting ready to get under the table with Marcy Chickering today. We're going to put our biases aside, strap on our seatbelts, and we're going to take a little ride on this thing they call diversity. We have an amazing guest with Marcy. Her bio is impressive, so let me just share a little bit about Marcy Chickering. She is the Executive Vice President, Chief Human Resources Officer for Wellmark, an independent licensee of the Blue Cross Blue Shield Association. Chickering has more than 20 years' experience working in the human resources profession. She joined Wellmark in 2003 and has served in multiple HR roles prior to her 2009 appointment to Senior Vice President Human Resources. Marcy also has received her bachelor's degree in management from the University of Northern Iowa and earned her master's in business administration with an emphasis of human resources from the University of Iowa. Marcy, Welcome, welcome. We are so excited to have you. Thank you so much for hosting us here today. Well, thanks for coming. I'm looking forward to having the conversation. Likewise, likewise. Awesome. Well, we got a ton of questions. I know you sent us some questions, but we're, we're just going to get right into it. Here, that so. sounds great. Um, one of the things that, that we wanted to talk about was this term we call acquired diversity. I don't know if you're familiar with that term, but if you're not, we want to make sure our audience knows. But that's the type of diversity you acquire through experiences in your life, your personal, professional life things that you didn't know about certain groups of individuals, et cetera, um, where you begin to to learn. Uh, Yeah, so a little bit more. You have inherent diversity Mm -hmm. are basically traits that one is born with, so nationality, age, et cetera. And then acquired diversity is when you gain diversity through experiences. So 
going in working remotely in another country or even another part of the world or association or associating yourself with groups that um, you can gain traits from yeah, yeah. so that's what acquired diversity is so can you talk about any of your experiences from that area where you've acquired diversity in your personal or professional life oh absolutely um, actually, what comes to mind when you first talk about that is one of my first, what I would call my first real jobs out of graduate school. Um, we, my husband and I were living in Columbia, Missouri, and uh, we moved there for his job, and I answered a blind newspaper ad um, for a job that was for an organization called Advent Enterprises, and they worked with individuals with disabilities either um, disabilities that they were born with or through an illness or an accident that they had disabilities and they reskilled them or skilled them and helped them get a job um, both uh, manual labor as well as office work and then the organization even had a temporary employment agency attached to it and they had never had a full-time human resources executive so i answered the ad um, i was 26 years old and um, when I went to go to the interview, I found it just really interesting. And so I just asked, can I just have a tour of your, um, of your office of this location so I better understand? And they took me into the classrooms and there were individuals there that had um, multiple master's degrees working with these individuals with disabilities and helping them and they had um, just real life, like um, a repair shop that they were repairing things to teach people how to um, be skilled. They had an office setting, so they were learning different computer programs. And then it was just, um, especially coming out of graduate school, out of MBA school, where everything is about like, you know, um, being in the New York Stock Exchange or, you know, yeah, right. real intense <laughs> business. And I go in here and it really aligned to who I was, but I didn't necessarily know that because I looked at the these individuals who had all this education and they were doing something so powerful with it. They were changing people's lives and they and the people they were working with were changing their lives. And so it was from that early on stage that uh, it reinforced what I wanted to do which was really to help people thrive. I know that sounds cheesy and I'm in human resources, but that's what, for me, it's all about is yeah. how do we use our strengths and how do we thrive every day? So is it something you acquired, right? Things that, mm -hmm. I mean, you, you never, I assume you never thought about what it was like to work with a person with a disability. Correct, and right. I, you these know, are things that maybe surprise you. Absolutely. Um, you know, I grew up in small town Iowa. I grew up in Grundy Center with about 3,000 um, people. And um, I didn't have a lot of exposure to a lot of things other than my dad was a farmer and you work hard. Yep. That's what that's what you grew up knowing, yep. right? <laughs> and, you know, when leaders have a combination of inherent diversity and acquired diversity, it makes them that much more an effective leader. Absolutely. And studies have shown this over and over. And I not going to digress, but I hear all the time that, and you probably hear this in human resources as well, we need to mirror the markets that we serve. Right. Are you hearing this quite a bit? Oh, absolutely. You're not going to go and just clean house, right? <laughs> right. That's not going to be an effective strategy. Absolutely not. Or, yeah, that would be crazy. It, so we share a lot that what about helping individuals get acquired diversity? 
I don't think that I need to be an African-American to connect with the African-American community. Mm -hmm. But what I can do is start interacting with them more, engaging in their activities, getting to know what their issues are, what their challenges are, be a, a champion for them and acquire that diversity so that at the end I can connect more and get that acquired diversity and showcase right. that more. When you say that, one of the things that comes to mind is how to be an ally. Mm -hmm. Yes. Right. Um, how do you, and one of the things that I, um, well, Merck is fantastic with our um, commitment and our day-to-day -day work with inclusion and diversity, um, and it fits me. It, hel it hel has helped me grow as a person, just like what you just described, just being able to to be able to be in an environment where you're encouraged mm -hmm. to learn from each other, right. to, to ask questions. You know, just last week, I was talking with a colleague that um, has a different cultural background than I do, and I felt very comfortable saying, hey, I, I'm, I'm interested in learning. Can right. you teach me a couple things? And it was like, yeah, absolutely. I want to talk about it, yeah. right? That's awesome. You, you mentioned something. I want to I digress for, for a minute here. You mentioned ally. Coming from where I, in, in my neighborhood, in my upbringing, a white ally has leverage because they understand their white privilege and they're using that that privilege mm -hmm. to make a difference in their organization. So I guess I would ask from you, and I think I'm glad you brought that up. Do you do you think of an ally that way or have you had that experience being an ally in business or in your personal life? Um, so yes, I would agree. So I think of an ally as um, I can't I can't walk in each person's shoes, but All I can right. learn I can learn from you and I can learn to appreciate and we through that using my own experience and my own path, how do you advocate, right? Yes. And, and how do you be a representative? Um, and I would tell you, I, I feel like I do that on, a, on almost a daily basis. Um, I talked about um, strengths, and that's an important um, piece of my work, is to help make sure that people really think about what their strengths are. It's too easy in our culture to think about what our what our differences or our development opportunities or where our weaknesses are. I'm all about your strengths and understanding your strengths. But one of my strengths is helping people's voice be heard. Mm -hmm. um, I know that I feel the best and my team laughs um, um, when we talked about this, and I didn't realize it actually, is that when we're having a conversation, if I notice, Anthony, that you haven't been talking, I'm very purposeful about making sure that, you're, that I get you to talk in a way that you're comfortable with and your voice is heard. And, um, and um, it has been, um, by recognizing that strength of what I have, it, is, it has made it even easier to do that and make sure that I am very purposeful about making sure that I am an ally and that I am an advocate and helping people's voices be heard. That's interesting. That's that's good to hear because I, I think a, a lot of leaders in your in your position maybe don't see that, uh, maybe don't understand their leverage and their ability to be an advocate. And to I liked how you mentioned if we're in a meeting and somebody's uncomfortable, those are those water cooler situations that create large problems um, because of little things like like that. It's about inclusiveness. Right. And well, don't you think it is about it is a lot of little things that add up to a lot of big things. Mm -hmm. And sometimes people start with the really big, and I think you start with the day-to-day. -day. I think you start with your day-to-day -day decisions and being purposeful. And where you're purposeful um, and, um, and think about all of your opportunities on a day-to-day -day basis, it's amazing mm -hmm. what, what's in store for us. Yeah. That drop-by-drop 
creates a big mm-hmm. pond or ocean for us. Exactly. Yep. So I think a lot about diversity trends, especially as it relates to gender. And I know we'll talk about some other diversity trends, especially as we were seeing in the insurance industry. But as we look collectively, McKenzie's 2018 Women in the Workplace study found that among companies of all industries, women constitute nearly 48% of the entry-level workforce, but only 23% of the C-suite role. Probably nothing new that you haven't heard already. Right. But when it comes to the insurance industry, the workforce percentage in the general workforce, more than 60% are women. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to top leadership, it's not even anywhere comparable to the general population. Only about 12% are top corporate officers are women. Can you help share with our listeners how you have been able to cut through this industry? You're a C-suite now. How can you utilize the strength-based approach that you just indicated to help not only the insurance industry, but collectively to help get more balance? Right. Um, Well, I think I'll give this a try of what I think I can do to help. Um, Again, I I agree with you. I go back to uh, strengths, and um, I also go back to um, being purposeful and being observant and looking for the opportunities to align your strengths to where there's a where there's a need as an organization, so I am. Uh, my perspective is you never look for the job; you look at building your skills, um, and you look at for opportunities to use those skills in a really meaningful way. And when I think of it like that, because I'm a control freak, so <laughs> <laughs> so I can control what skills I develop, and I can control how I use those skills. I can't control what necessarily a company chooses um, for the jo- kind of jobs that they have available today or tomorrow. But I can be observant about what are the skills that are needed and make sure that I acquire them, and I can take them anywhere I, that I go. As you came up through the ranks, obviously you... To, to Sadika's point, you're, you're a, a woman in a C-suite, which, according to our numbers, only about 12% of you are there. In the insurance in industry. In the insurance industry. So can you talk about some of your personal barriers that you experienced coming up as a woman? Were there s- situations or scenarios that made you realize, yeah, I realize I am a woman in here. I'm, I'm being treated differently because I'm a woman. Have you had those barriers? No, um, no names. Um, but I had an, um, very early on in my career that uh, I was asked to um, roll out something for human resources. And I went and met with an executive, and that executive totally chewed me up. I mean, literally, it was terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, like, left totally crying, and I'm not a crier. And I was like, if this is the way we are, then I don't want to be here, right? And... I sat there, or I thought that night, what do I do? And I actually um, went to one of uh, that person's direct reports, who is a female, and I said, you have a great relationship, so what do you do, right? <laughs> tell, me how, tell me how to do this differently. Right. And uh, she was like, absolutely, took me under her wing. So when I think about you asking me that question and you saying, you know, have you found that you don't, again, I'm going back to I'm the control freak. I'm very purposeful at saying, hey, can you help me? Mm-hmm. And sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't, right? right? But 
Um, if it wasn't for that executive, that second executive that I went to and I said, can you help? Because I have no clue what to do. And she was like, absolutely. And she was, she was there with me and it gave me confidence. She helped me build my skill. She helped me think through it and made all the difference. Otherwise I might not be here. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Well, Marcy, you are very proactive about it. You actually said, what can I do? Right. Versus taking it the other approach. And it probably in this, in this conversation, it sounds like I do that all the time. And then there's many examples where I forget, but I try to. What can I do? Because I know I can impact, I, I can control what I do and how I behave and the right. experiences, but I can't control other people. I can try to influence them, and I certainly do try to influence them, but I, that's not a guarantee, right? Sure. It reminds me of a time when I was in Washington, D.C., and uh, my background is pre-law political science, so I wanted oh, to go into the legal for field. You. <laughs> <laughs> I really um, love that industry. And I thought, well, before I go and spend my money, time, resources, energy into pre-law, let me go and work in that environment. Right. So I worked at a very large international law firm. They created a new position, and um, I was able to get it, which was really great. And I'm always observant, as you are as well, and I noticed that there were only two female partners. (laughs) My first thought was, oh, my goodness, they must be helping each other quite a bit. Being two female partners, the support system, you're counting on each other to have each other's back and help each other through um, various um, navigation, I should say, in the workplace. Turned out that was not the case. Do you think that, I know you hear this all the time, but do you think there's truth to it that women are not helping each other or being allies to each other as we should? Or is it because there's a thought or perception that there's few coveted spots? Um, I don't know that I think that people think about there's few coveted spots, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be kind of competitive that way. I do think that sometimes you get so busy with what you have in front of you that you forget kind of your accountability to be there for others. So um, I think that um, um, when you are in an environment that there are more males than females, sometimes you feel like you have to really prove yourself, right? Mm-hmm. And you are so... Um, focused on that, you can be pretty tough because you're tough on yourself in order to be able to quote unquote prove yourself. So then do you do, do you, um, are you really tough on others? That's what I think I I experience. I'm a firm believer. I always say I can only control my own actions and my own reactions. And also when it comes to expectations, no matter how much expectations I have on others, am I setting myself up up for failure because I can't control that either? Right. I have this um, book, um, a national bestseller book that has little excerpts every day. And last week it was, if you don't like what's in front of you, change the way you look at it. Um, and um, it was one that gave me pause. Yeah, that half glass, empty, half full yeah. scenario. Yeah. So you mentioned you were talking about, uh, I like that you're a control freak. <laughs> Let's talk about that a little bit. <laughs> No, actually, it's funny. One of the reasons why we do, why we started the show and we wanted C-suite executives because we do believe they're in positions to have control and write checks and make decisions. So that's, I'm being funny, but that's important. Um, and I want to segue to that because one of the challenges in the industry as we think about as it comes to um, diversity uh, amongst professionals, I was reading some, some information and I was uh, reading some information on risk and insurance from the last year and it, and it mentioned it talked about African-American representation, and it mentioned that 90% of leadership positions 
are white and 3% of them are, are black in the risk and insurance industry. 85% of non-principal agency managers are white and 3% are black. So there's numbers, 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 mm -hmm. but the bottom line is the insurance industry is primarily white. So as a person in your position who has control, mm -hmm. <laughs> what are some of the things that, that Marcy's doing here at Wellmark to help stem that tide and, and make Wellmark different than what we see in these numbers? Mm -hmm. Um, so I would say um, relationships. Um, so um, not only from our talent acquisition team, but also our hiring leaders, um, which are all of us at some point in time, right? Mm -hmm. And also our inclusion council um, representatives, that um, it is the expe our expectation that we all build those relationships and that we... Um, uh, cultivate those relationships and have a regular engagement. So um, all of us sit on different advisory boards, different nonprofit organizations, have different um, uh, alliances that we are, or networks that we are part of or, or get to know. And um, on a regular basis, literally on a weekly basis, we talk to them about, share information about the kind of opportunities that are coming up at Wellmark. Um, but we also um, do community activities so that as, as we do build those relationships long-term and as opportunities come up, that we have the um, connections to be able to say, hey, share, this is what's coming. Then that's about the talent acquisition part of it. But then once you come to Wellmark, it is all about um, setting clear expectations and reinvesting in that development so that people have um, opportunities to continue to grow and develop their career in whatever way that looks like. Talking about control, we have a, um, we have a phrase here that we call CEO of your own career, CEO of my career. And so we advocate that everyone has their own accountability to, to navigate their career we as an employer, it's our obligation, it's our commitment to make sure that you have resources and support to navigate and drive your own career. So that can look very different for each person and that's the, that's the fun in it. It isn't, it isn't alike for any, any two people. Obviously you've had a lot of growth in your career and have moved through the ranks. Um, and you've probably run across some situations either as a female executive or as an executive in general where you, you have seen a company policy, a decision, or an unwritten rule um, that's conflicted with Marcy's value systems. There is a, one of the things from an inclusion perspective that we try to, um, over time, um, talk about different topics um, and, um, and then say, what do we need to do about it? Um, Recently, there was a conversation just about how openly do you talk about religion in the workplace, right? Mm -hmm. And and it seems, um, and it was one where we had many conversations to say, we want to create an environment where people can learn, right? Mm -hmm. That is exactly who we are and what we do. We also don't want anyone to feel like they need to, um, that they need to acquire someone else's opinion. We want people to be able to learn and experience um, uh, different understanding. So um, it was it was truly just working with and we and I work with really amazing people here, really talented and very um, um, have great intent. 
So I knew it was just a matter of having conversations with them to say, how do we talk about this in a way that no one feels excluded, but rather people feel like, I do want to learn more. Mm -hmm. That's really interesting. Yeah. So we're, I would actually say I don't have an end to that story. We're we're on that journey right now. But it's a journey. Yeah. It is. That's okay. I think... I think it's good that you were able to to mention that i think again as i think about our listeners and, and other leaders we want them to understand that that leaders go through those things and that's okay to not have an answer as long as you're intentional about the journey which it sounds like you are so yeah. that's great and i appreciate you bringing up some topics especially when it comes to religion and how you're encouraging dialogue around it in the workplace yeah. what we're seeing more and more is that when you ask individuals to keep a part of their identity outside of the workplace, at the end, they're not bringing their full authentic self to work. Right. And we were having this conversation on the ride up here, political, mm-hmm. that how do you look at someone? Do you look at them in a singular dimension? Right. Or do you have multiple identities in terms of multiple dimension of you? If someone looked at me, I'm, and I tell individuals, I'm a Hindu. But that, does that, are you looking at me just in that lens only? But even politics, I mean, we will go there. I will go there. We'll have those conversations because it is what is out there right now. Right. And that is it how I'm viewing somebody? If all I see is their political identity, then I need to look at it, as you in- indicated earlier. What lens am I looking at it? How am I looking at right. that individual? Right. So I have to look at myself then. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think it is something that we have to remember almost on a daily basis, right? That um, it, thank goodness that we're all passionate about different things. Um, that's what helps create change. Absolutely. Um, yet, I think to be respectful and to, to listen, to be quiet and listen as much as, you're, as, as we're talking, I think is, um, is really important, right? That's a that's a lesson we all learned growing up. So yep. I think it is something that we have to be very thoughtful and very purposeful about on an on a actual daily basis. Thoughtful and purposeful. Not always easy to do, <laughs> but um, lessons that we need to continue to build upon. Right, exactly. We had a couple questions, didn't we, from some listeners? Yeah, so we uh, want to hear from you, our wonderful listeners. So what questions do you have for our guest executives and leaders? Hit us up at info at com. We love our listener questions, and uh, we have one from Ty. Won't say his last name, but Marcy. He has a question. His is, how do you believe organizations could measure successful engagement of people from different backgrounds, cultures? We ask. Um, we, I would say we do two things. We ask actually annually. Um, um, every year we ask employees um, how their, what their thoughts are on inclusion and what their experiences are. And at, uh, well, Mark, we also have a, another mantra called every voice counts. And so because we have that built into our culture, people really do want to share their opinion. So just in this last month, Diversity Awareness Month in October that we celebrated, we had 94% participation of our 1,800 employees. It's pretty impressive. Good. That yeah, is. That's pretty impressive. high. And we didn't have to twist anyone's arm. We just we say, you know, we want your perspective 
Um, 93% of our employees said they uh, were, they, they believe that Walmart is an inclusive culture and that um, they are proud of being an, an employee at Walmart because of our um, commitment to diversity and inclusion. So I think one is just literally you ask. Um, second is uh, having different events and letting people participate and you see uh, the participation or the lack of participation and that's another way that I think that an, uh, an employer can measure it. Definitely a great way to gauge engagement mm -hmm. successfully. Thank you for sharing. Yeah. Advice for our guests. You know if you had to um, you, you've been here 16 years I think with Walmart and probably right. gone through a lot of transition and have grown a lot and moved into your role. If there are two pieces of advice that you could give other leaders um, around diversity and equity inclusion that you've learned that you would want them to take to enhance their organization, what, what, what would they be? Maybe there are a couple pieces of advice that you would give. Um, you probably won't be surprised when I say this. Uh, two things. One is use your strengths to make a difference. And second is uh, pay attention to the little things because the little things add up to big things. I love that. Short, sweet, and simple. Absolutely. absolutely. But very effective. Well, Marcy, I don't know if you've ever done a diversity thumbball exercise before. I have not. <laughs> did you like athletics growing up? I did. <laughs> <laughs> well, you may have a leg up on me. We always love to do this with our guests as a diversity thumbball, and we use it um, even through my uh, learning and development, and Anthony has done as well. It's a great way to just open up conversations and just be raw, real, and authentic. So we're going to throw this ball at you, and uh, wherever you catch it and wherever your thumb lands, read the question, and then answer it, and okay. then you can toss it to anyone else here. Okay. Very right. good. <laughs> All right. Don't be throwing the ball hard. Are you gonna Are you gonna answer the yes, question next? Yes, we're gonna answer right. with you. Absolutely. Fantastic. I would try to throw it backwards. I don't know where it's gonna go though. <laughs> we play sports on this show. Uh, it said, "Describe the messages you received about race when you were growing up." Uh, that's a great question. Um, I would, um, I would say um, my mom, my mother has always had a huge influence on my life, and um, she, um, from a very young age, I can remember talking about um, everybody has a gift, and um, it, uh, it doesn't matter who we are or what we look like, it's about finding people's gifts, and um, whether... My mom was a great sewer, right? And one of my other friends' mom was um, a hairstylist and could, you know, do a great job cutting hair. There was um, the organist at church. Um, there was just a variety. And I, I actually remember where I was standing when, um, because the end, I remember that a lot about um, it doesn't matter what's, what someone's background is or what someone, what I look like. Right. It's about what my gifts are, and, and um, can we help each other find those gifts? Awesome. Awesome. Ball toss, who's next? All right. <laughs> That'd be me. How can your community promote acceptance of differences? Um, I think it starts with community leaders. I think, um, 
I think we community leaders can set the example and, and um, create dialogue with business, government, and community. Uh, I think it's it's a multi-pronged approach. So I think that's a it's a tough it's a tough answer. I think it's a it's a multi-pronged approach between community, workforce, um, and government. Yeah, I agree. You ready? <laughs> I'm throwing it hard at you. <laughs> Recount a time you felt like an outsider. So I was born in India, and I came to the States as an immigrant. I was about 19 months old. And the first time I went back to India was uh, when I was 13, right before I was starting high school. And went to India, and I felt like an outsider. Having never been there Interesting culture. Well, I mean, I grew up with my culture. I told you how my mm -hmm. parents were very, um, I shouldn't say just conservative, but they were held on to the culture. So I grew up with the culture. It was a fact that I went there and I would not even speak a word. And I was dressed in my Indian attire, but somehow they knew that I was an outsider. And so I felt like an outsider. But I have to say that um, even here in America, there have been places that I went around, whether it was Oklahoma, Nebraska, I was the only Indian. So I felt like an outsider because others had treated me like an outsider. Mm -hmm. So I created my own culture. I typically don't feel as if I fit into anywhere. So I grew up creating my own culture. And I realized that um, outsider is because that's how I felt. And so again, I had to transform it and change it. Good and I realized that, you know what, I need to get more involved. And what can I do to make that change? And that is what I have learned over the years. How can I take more proactive action? Instead of me just having to leave and not feeling in, you know, part of something, I strategically would start getting more involved. Good for you. Awesome. Well, I think we've come to the, to the end of our, our show. We could talk for hours. I kind of want to. Well, thanks for having me. This was a lot of fun and enjoyed our time together. If there's any words I would leave, it would be be curious, be naturally curious. Uh, there is so much to learn from each other and so many great things that come from those conversations, that come from those experiences that don't stop being curious. Even at the water cooler, if you have to. Even at the water cooler. Well, thank you so much, Marcy. This has been a treat for us to have you as our guest and appreciate uh, you hosting us here at Walmart. If our listeners want to learn more about your company, um, can you share the website with them right now? Sure, it's www.wellmark.com. Thank you to our fabulous listeners. We wouldn't be here without your support. Help us grow our subscriber base by sharing our show with others now. Love this episode of Diversity Straight Up? Then head over to the most popular podcast audio platforms to subscribe, rate, and review us. We'd love to hear from you. Hit us up and send your questions, comments, and suggestions to info at diversitystraightup.com. Remember, wherever you live, work, and play, your backyards are increasingly global. Be a global leader by leveraging diversity with equity, inclusion, and engagement. And share this journey as it may empower others to be the bold change agents. Diversity straight up. Keeping it real.